0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa.
1: What a gorgeous, gorgeous Friday afternoon. Good day to get out and go shopping. Not, oh, I just can't get, I can't get a handle on the masses, but uh, I will. Uh, that is my plan over the weekend. Matt, Lars, Noah Haynes is at the control. Lars just found this uh, article right before we got on the air so i don't know if you've seen it or not but i had to read it like twice to realize that this is just one of the most unbelievable numbers i've seen when aj mccarron took a snap for the Bengals this past weekend he became the 71st former alabama player to play in the nfl this year just let let that soak in 71 Alabama players played in the NFL in 2023. Man, that you know what that is above all? What a recruiting tool.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a stunning statistic. Um that's a, almost enough to field uh one team and then half of another team. Yeah. Um that is incredible. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh in what uh And it will be interesting to to see how A.J. does for the rest of the year if he gets some time uh, on the field with uh, Jake Browning, who's playing great for the Bengals. But I I do think A.J., uh, they have confidence in him. That's the reason they they brought him in. He's familiar with Zach Taylor and his system. And and, uh, and just based on his play in the USFL – um, I, I think AJ still still got something something left, and you know he's just a smart football player, and been in the league now for it's it's amazing to think about a decade. And uh, I mean, I remember spending a lot of time with AJ uh, when he was at Alabama his senior year, and and uh, and you know he was always he was always very good with me. Um and uh, I know sometimes he could be a little difficult, but but uh, I think that goes with the territory of being an Alabama quarterback and all of the demands on your time. Back to back national championships, back to back national championships, yeah. and um yeah, just a, a a standout, absolute standout player. And uh, switching gears, uh, I think talk about a standout move. Nick Saban hiring former Michigan linebackers coach George Hilo um, yesterday. And so, a little background here Hilo is 36, and he is expected just to, to begin work immediately as Alabama obviously is getting prepared to play his former team. And so he was on the Wolverine staff uh, for the 2021 season and the 2022 season. And um, he ultimately left the program after uh, last year when Jim Harbaugh brought in uh, Chris Partridge uh, to Michigan as the linebackers coach. By the way, Partridge has since been fired because he was a part of the uh, uh, sign stealing uh, shenanigans going on. But so so, what does Alabama get out of this? Well, I mean, even though Hilo wasn't on Michigan staff this year, he did work under their, their current OCE, their current DC current defensive coordinator Jesse Minner, and he knows the Wolverine system. Right, I mean, it, it, because uh, and he knows exactly what the Wolverines are doing on defense, and you know that Jim Harbaugh is upset by this. But but you look at Michigan this year; they rank first nationally in scoring defense, just giving up about uh, nine and a half points a game. Second in total defense, um, and uh, and and the good thing for Hilo is that. Alabama's not scheduled uh, they're not going to start practicing until the middle of the month um, right now they're just doing lifting running uh, some player led seven on sevens so that's giving Hilo time to get adjusted and meeting with coaches and, and giving them a full debrief of what this Michigan defense is like and uh, it reminds me of, uh, of, a, of another story and I'll try to make it really quick um, a, a good friend of mine, his name is John Hess. He played linebacker at Nebraska. Was all Big Twelve. He was on, and he so he did, he was on um, the Packers practice squad all year in 1996. Right before the playoffs started, uh, Denver signed John. And, uh, and John, it just so happens, he got a perfect score on the Wonderlick And uh, that is the whatever you call it, the, an intelligence test. But he, he got the highest score the year that he came out. A perfect score. One of very few to ever get a perfect score. Anyway, fast forward just a couple weeks after he signed, Denver meets the Packers in the Super Bowl. And you can see video of John, who didn't dress for the Super Bowl, but he is standing right next to the offensive coordinator and Mike Shanahan the entire game, telling them exactly what the Packers are doing. And you see John, uh, what they're doing on defense. You see John relaying it to the defensive coordinator, and then they are both like yelling out to the defensive players of what play they think is coming because of John, one, his, his his smarts, but also his familiarity with what the Packers did on offense. And so, um, uh, you know, since he was with the team all year. So do we have a similar situation here? I mean, do, what, what do you Not think much. of this move? I mean, well, to, it, it, and also I, I should say, I, I don't think this is just, uh, merely to get an upper hand in preparing for Michigan. I think there's a chance that he, that Hilo is going to ultimately become the linebacker's coach because um, the current outside linebacker's coach, Coleman Hutzler, is going to become the defensive coordinator at Mississippi State. So there's a void on the staff. And also Hilo began his career as an intern under Nick Saban.
1: Yeah, he did in 2012. He was there. So um, he kind of knows a little bit about both teams, but certainly more with Michigan. But I I will pose you this question as I I play devil's advocate here. Do you think that George Hilo is hired had he not been so familiar with Michigan? Or is the intent to keep him around next year, as you mentioned?
2: Well, I think the intent is to keep him around next year. But I do not think he would have been hired this early unless if he if he was like uh you know if his background was with that Penn State for instance there there's like if 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 Nick Saban's already eyeing him to fill this job that is being vacated um and he and Nick Saban has a familiarity with him then why not bring him on board now and so um it's just, uh, yeah, I, I guarantee you, Jim Harbaugh is absolutely furious about this, but there's nothing he can do about it. It's, it's just, this is, uh, it's, it's all,
1: all fair game here. The national pundits are pointing at Tuscaloosa and Nick Saban and saying, "Wow." What a brilliant move.
2: (laughs) It's absolutely a brilliant move.
1: It's totally above board. There's no sign stealing. There's just a coach that knows the signs that comes on. There's no electronic devices being used here. They're going to use the brain of Coach Hilo and see if it doesn't uh, prove to be Alabama's advantage when they play on January 1st. And I can't see that it won't help. Pardon my double negative. Oh, my mom's mad. But he will contribute... In many, many ways. And now that this has been done, I would be surprised if he just didn't stay on staff. So it's just another example of the Saban, his ability to play chess. Yeah. You know, I I, I quickly go back to the, NAS- to the SEC championship game. And I think about him playing chess with Kirby Smart on the timeouts on the fourth down. And he outsmarted him. And while he certainly knows the X's and O's, there's no question, and Nick Saban can certainly change with the times, his head game and the head games that the other coaches have to put up with this man must just be boggling and frustrating. I can't imagine what Harbaugh did when he heard this. I would like to have been in the room. Uh, I would guess something was thrown, but I don't know that for certain. Okay, I, Matt Coulter, co-host of Big Noon Sports was the first today to bring up the Cincinnati Bengals with A.J. McCarron. And I will be the first to bring up Lars' other favorite topic when we get back on Big Noon Sports.
3: If you Sunbelt champion Troy meets Duke in the 76 Birmingham Bowl on December 23rd at Protective Stadium. Tickets are on sale now, starting at just $30. The pregame festivities kick off December 22nd at the Bud Light Fan Fest Pep Rally at Uptown with live music, team pep rallies, and everything else you need to get in the game day spirit. This season, fill your holidays with good cheer. Get tickets and more information at
0: BirminghamBall.com. Who's the mo- Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A partly to mostly sunny sky this afternoon, the high 62. Increasingly cloudy tonight, the low 43. Tomorrow cloudy, rain likely at times during the day, the high 60. Sunday, rain ending early in the day, then gradual clearing, the high 57. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 62 degrees in
4: Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Presented by
1: Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Merry Christmas to all as you get out and do your shopping. It's a beautiful day for it. James Band just told you. It's 62 degrees. I love this time of year, Lars. I know you do, too. But last night, I'm assuming you did, as you said yesterday, you turned on, was it ESPN2? But anyway, Nebraska. Nebraska advanced from the Final Four in volleyball. They downed Purdue. Congratulations to your lady Cornhuskers. And much success, I guess, on Sunday. Is that when you said the finals would be held in, time, in, in down in Tampa? And who do they play? Do they play... Wisconsin or Texas?
2: Okay, so uh, I I hate to do this. Got to do a little fact-checking here. They actually beat beat Pitt. uh, Pitt, not bad, not bad. Yeah, no, that's okay. It's a a P. Um, It was a 3-0, though. (laughs) Yeah, so it's very rare to get to a national semifinal and to win... Three, uh, three in a row, three, three sets in a row, right? And uh, and Nebraska absolutely just overwhelmed, uh, overwhelmed Pitt. Uh, Pitt was the top seed in their regional, and um, you know, and now Nebraska faces Texas, the defending national champion, in the finals on Sunday, two o'clock on ABC. I uh, I encourage everyone to watch it. It is it. Is, I'm telling you, women's volleyball is absolutely thrilling to watch. Uh, last night in Tampa, there were twenty three thousand uh, there. Uh, for, I'm sorry, it was an NCAA tournament record crowd of nineteen thousand five hundred ninety eight uh, for the two matches. And, and Wisconsin, I really thought Wisconsin was going to beat Texas and set up a a rematch with Nebraska. Um, They played in the regular season, but uh, Wisconsin just kind of put up a dud. But uh, there was so many Nebraska fans there. I mean, they're so passionate about it because it's it's like Nebraska fans don't have football anymore. You know, it's like that was kind of taken away. And so all of that passion and energy has gone into the women's volleyball team. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing because, I mean, there are times when they have four true freshmen out on the floor and they're a really young team. Um, their, their coach, John Cook, is gonna be uh, in, the, in the Hall of Fame. And um, yeah, I mean, it was just really uh, an impressive display and uh it was cool to see a bunch of former Nebraska greats in uh football players in the uh, in the crowd uh in was uh, just red <laughs> dressed head to toe in in red and uh it, it, it's uh it, it's nice when you know i grew up in Lincoln in the 80s and early 90s when nebraska won three out of four national championships and very easily could have won five straight and just was the dominant team there for a stretch. And uh, that has, like I said, disappeared. Maybe coming back, because, oh, by the way, uh, Dylan Rayola, uh, the quarterback, who is the number one recruit uh, heading into this year in the nation, who committed to Georgia, he is in Lincoln this afternoon meeting with coaches in all signs point to him flipping to Nebraska. There'll be more on that, but uh, thank you for giving me these few minutes to uh, wax on and on about Nebraska women's volleyball. That's why I have the nickname Volleyball Anderson, <laughs> which I yeah, gave myself.
1: I you have, yeah, you have. Uh, <laughs> don't you have shirts printed up for you and your? Kids? Oh yeah, I got and I got. Hey,
2: you're over at my house. What did I show you? Oh, uh, Nebraska volleyball shirt. No, and a Nebraska volleyball uh, cup, Nebraska women's volleyball cup. If I had two, I was going to give you one, but I only have one. Well, you keep that one. (laughs) Certainly, you're deserving.
1: Speaking of transfer portal, um, Jacory Brooks, who entered the transfer portal, um, he like Rayola is making a visit. He is in Louisville today, or headed to Kentucky to check out the Cardinals. Well, one that just popped up right before we came on the air, and I'm not surprised by this. Robbie Ashford is going to, has entered the transfer portal. And this will be his third. He went Oregon to Auburn. Now he's going to go someplace else. The guy has immense skill. It's to, and if by the way, if you freeze can't find out a way to use that, like he did Malik Willis, if, if he can't, I don't know who can I think if I were to advise Robbie Ashford, I'd go to a power to a group of five, you know. I'd go to a school where they could really need me. You know, they could really take all of my talents and weave them into their offense and, and make a mediocre team really, really good. Um, and I'll throw this out there, but, you know, why not go to Jacksonville State, Robbie? You stay in state and, you know, I'm a JSU guy. But a troy or a south alabama you know uab uh just to see if you can't finally be able to show all of your wares because since being at auburn and he didn't at oregon because he didn't get much playing time but since being at auburn we hadn't seen the robbie ashford that uh lars i really think that uh can lead a team and, and offensively put some pressure on defenses well i ain't seen that yet
2: yeah um if I were to advise Robbie Ashford, if he has dreams of playing in the NFL, I, I would consider a position switch. Uh, tied in, tied in, or or maybe a wide receiver. I don't. He took reps at wide receiver um, in September uh, at, at, at Auburn. And I don't know if that is the best fit for him, or if he could put on a little weight and and be a you know uh, be a, be a tight end, but it, it's pretty clear that for whatever reason it, it's just not working out at quarterback, and uh, and so I, I you know I, I I've never met him, uh, I've heard just nothing but great things about Robbie Ashford. You know, even talking to his uh, coaches at uh, at at Hoover. Um, and I, I just think he needs to look at either wide receiver or tight end if he really uh, aspires to get to the NFL, and one would assume that that is the case.
1: Yep. But, you know, he's a Hoover guy, right? You know, and he has a yep. lot of support in this state. So didn't work at Auburn. I think we all saw that. He saw it. He entered the transfer portal. So, um, guess that means they'll uh, go to their bowl game. They'll go to Nashville without a really proven or tested backup quarterback. So, then again, so is Texas. And they're in the college football Final Four. Lots to talk about here on this Friday afternoon. And I talked about it briefly yesterday because I watched... Bard Starr, America's quarterback. And the producer of that show, the writer of the show, and very familiar to folks in the state of Alabama, Keith Donovan is going to join us right after the break, and we'll talk about that, what it meant to him. Lars, I know you've, you've known him for a long time because he's he's one of your own, right? And he's published quite a few books.
2: Yeah, and he is a really talented author, writer. And uh, I, I've never actually met met Keith, but I've been a, a big fan from afar for a long time.
1: And we'll talk to him on the other side of this break. You're listening to Big Noon Sports, presented in part by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker.
2: Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker...
1: Back on Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Our next guest, longtime Alabama guy, grew up in North Alabama in the Athens area, so we have that in common. I grew up in Huntsville, Keith. I don't know if you remember that or not. But uh, Keith Donovan, who is a producer, longtime writer, a couple of books on Coach Bryant, uh, more recently a splendid effort in uh, capturing the life of Bart Starr on and off the field. But um, that was turned into a wonderful documentary, which I watched the other night in its debut, called Bart Starr, America's Quarterback. All that being said, Keith, just how the heck are you? You got all your Christmas shopping done? Oh, man, is it Christmas yet? I'm telling you, I'm way behind, man. I
5: tell you, uh, it's good to be with you guys today, though.
1: Keith my partner is a longtime uh, colleague in some sense uh, I guess that, that you've never met personally he's Lars Anderson but uh,
5: he's well we know each Jackson. other by reputation I'm a big I'm a big yes. fan
2: of uh, uh, i am I'm a huge fan Keith huge fan I've, I've read all your work and uh, um, you know my my, my my first question is uh, how <laughs> How did you bring? uh, How did you birth this baby, so to speak? Because it is hard to get a documentary made, and I've I've been down that road before, um, and you know I've been able to get one onto Showtime. Very fortunate about that, but it's very difficult. So, can you just take us through the process of uh, of 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 taking, you know, uh, your book and and your uh, your background with Bart, and then turning that into this amazing documentary.
5: Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, well, um, you know, it's a it's a it's a it's a long um, kind of circuitous route. Um, first of all, in terms of, of Bart, you know, I grew up, uh, as Matt said, uh, in in Athens and started covering the SEC really young and got to Alabama and so forth before covering national college football. I was—I didn't remember Bart as anything basically more than a than a guy in the record book, and I—I I, I don't have any personal memories of the ice bowl. My you know football memories began basically with Joe Namath and Johnny Musso and guys like that. So I just missed Bart, so I didn't know that much about Bart's story except that you know the championships and and the and Alabama connection and so forth. So I started. Uh, um, writing the the Star book, uh, not knowing whether he would cooperate or not, uh, uh, back for St. Martin's back in about 2006, and of course he did, and we we you know developed a relationship, and I just you know, really grew to to like he and Jerry very much. They're just such quality people, and so one thing led to another, and um, you know I've moved into documentaries the last, uh, gradually the last 15 years, uh, you know still doing books as well, but. But we've uh, we've done a couple of smaller documentaries, and so this was just kind of a natural progression. But I've I've had a relationship with with the networks, particularly ESPN, for uh, for a while now, and you know we, we started discussing ideas, and this is the one that uh, that just kind of connected because it because it you know as large as you can understand you it's it's um, it, a documentary and, and a book are are different, but they they both have to have great narrative hooks they have to be you know cinematic in a sense and the you know how could you possibly have more tension in a story uh than Bart Starr? and also the fact that a lot of this is just unknown so all these things bringing to bear um it was kind of a perfect storm and you know we were uh, uh, my my partner on this uh, fritz mitchell who was just a one of the best documentary filmmakers in the business he did saturdays in the south and i worked with him on that and, and a number of other things uh we were you know gratified that uh, that espn film films you know greenlit this this project and, and let us tell it the story
2: uh quick follow-up uh was your editor at saint martin's mark resnick by chance no actually it was pete wolverton oh pete okay um in, in in what was it like getting to know bard starr and what what surprised you it for, for uh, uh, not not talking about the documentary but the book that you wrote what surprised you the most uh, of what you learned about barton and, and the just the uh, the character of the man
5: well um I came out a little bit cold because uh, you know the thing is I would say just how down to earth he was, you know. People uh, before I got to know Bart, people always said that. But you know, like you have written about a lot of sports stars and a lot of people, you know, out of sports, and and you know, I've never met anyone who is just as genuine, as down to earth, as unpretentious as Bart Starr to have been at that level of achievement. Um, you know, for instance, I mean, when I was a a, a young guy, you know, walking into, into Coach Bryant's office, Coach Bryant had a presence and. You know, sitting down with people like, uh, you know, Willie Mays or Ted Turner or someone of that ilk. They had a presence. Bart had a presence, but it was just – it was – he, he he was a guy who, uh, who um, captured this certain everyman quality that it, it wasn't – there was nothing fake about it. Now, he was uh, – he had this kind of military bearing about him. But I guess to to really answer your question, the thing that surprised me most was that just that he was so humble about his accomplishments in real life. Um, uh, it's The point of uh, he and his wife, uh, of course, uh, Terry is is still doing great. I just had lunch with her the other day. She's 89 years old. I hope I don't get in trouble for saying that. But uh, she's still doing great, and uh, uh, she was just this remarkable had this remarkable you know bond with her husband after for all those decades but one of the things that that just that you kind of look for that that jumps off the page i spent a couple of days back in the in the late 2000s uh traveling around to feed stray cats with them so here i am i'm helping bart get the the the, the kitty food out the, the the super bowl mvp first the mvp of the first two super bowls and he's going around the south side of birmingham feeding stray cats and it was surreal i mean you know uh matt i know you you knew Bart through the years i mean it's yeah. it was just uh there's something about this guy that was just different you know he, he had he had no ego and uh and so that given the type of people that we've written about in the past it was just kind of remarkable
1: uh, Bart never called for or expected attention. You know, he could walk into a room, and if you didn't know him by sight, he'd pretty much be a wallflower. Uh, totally, totally. And, totally. and uh, it was it was very unusual because when I met him, I just went into a gushathon. This is a guy right. that I watched with my dad when I was a little kid in the '60s, and I just right. I was in awe, and then he was in awe of me. He knew what I was doing, so <laughs> you can imagine right. what that meant to a young reporter when he calls you by name. And right. I just, it, that's just that's just the way he is. And by the way, I'll throw this in too. I've had the opportunity to be around Sherry many times too, and she's one of the reasons Bart Starr was so successful uh as a quarterback and as a person Uh, now in all the things that you put into this documentary again marvelous you can't tell his life story in 60 minutes this is a difficult maybe not a difficult question certainly not a criticism but did what got left on the edit room floor
5: you know that's a good question um we, we knew coming in we had to tell a very compact story you know just like uh, people ask me all the time well you know how much of of what do you find out about a subject when you're writing a book how much do you use and honestly my stock answer and this is true and I bet Lars would say something the same thing I probably end up uh, I, I want to learn as much about a subject as I can um, and I probably in a typical book probably use five percent of what I found out about a subject because because you're first of all you, you have to be very um focused um and, and and really um you have to be very focused about what story you're going to tell and you if you start um diverging from that then it becomes if it becomes unfocused then then you're in trouble so um d- there were a few things that on the you know uh, details of the ice ball i mean we we first of all we would have loved to have told a lot more about the ice bowl. We had you know a lot more good stuff there, but you know there are all sorts of limitations there. Um, but we wanted to use the ice bowl, for instance, to we wanted to. That, I think that was a different way of telling it. We went back and forth on the ways to tell it. And uh, Fritz and I, you know, discussed this over over a period, basically a year. Is if you if you tell the ice bowl story, you, you hit the viewer in the face with this, and then you get to that line at the end of the section. Uh, this was a metaphor for Bart's entire career. Then that's a light bulb moment, hopefully for the viewer, and you got them hooked at that point. So there are all sorts of things like that you do in in documentaries that has a um, that have a, a something of a basis in the book, but um but, but you know, documentary is more visceral. You, you gotta uh, you know, I've been it, it's gratifying the the last couple of days when uh, people that I trust have said, "Hey, you made me cry." Well, as a filmmaker,
1: that's what you want. I made it until about uh, 56. And then you brought in Roger Schultz, which just kind of shocked me. I love Roger, and he did a great job uh, on the documentary. But, uh, yeah, I was pretty weeping at the end of it. it was the scene of,
2: so well done. The, the, scene well, Bart, the scene of Bart finding his son in the description, just, oh. that's what it destroyed me.
1: Uh, Keith, we haven't talked enough. Can you hang on through a break? I know I didn't ask you this when we communicated earlier. All right, good, because we're going to get a little closer to Tuscaloosa to talk some Alabama football, too, because you are indeed a historian. Keith Donovan, Bart Starr, America's quarterback, will continue with us on Big Noon Sports.
0: Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A partly to mostly sunny sky this afternoon, the high 62. Increasingly cloudy tonight, the low 43. Tomorrow cloudy, rain likely at times during the day, the high 60. Sunday, rain ending early in the day, then gradual clearing, the high 57. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide
4: 100.9.
0: It's 62 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
4: This is the Big Noon Sports Network.
1: The name of the documentary is Bart Starr, America's Quarterback. It is really, really worth more. It's it's worth an hour of your time. I promise you that. I text everybody I know and said you got to watch this. So do watch it. Uh, Keith Dunnett was the author of uh, Bart Starr book and then producer of the show. And um, you grew up in North Alabama in Athens. You grew up in a media family. Um, I had the pleasure of working with your dad Bob on many occasions. So were you when you were that young you were obviously exposed at what point did you just become well all right what point did you become an alabama fan
5: oh gosh uh maybe birth uh honestly (laughs) i was i was influenced certainly by my my dad and and my five older brothers so uh i don't think i had a chance in terms of i think but my you know uh there is a uh there's a picture of me when I was three years old. My dad, uh, among other things, in the radio business, was a, uh, a local play-by-play guy. And there's a, there's a picture of me when I was three wearing an Athens College sweats, sweatshirt. And that was the, uh, with the great local NAA NIA basketball team at that point. And, it, and the caption was that, that he he looks like he wants to be uh, broadcasting games with his dad. So
2: uh,
5: I uh, I started early.
2: Keith, you've written uh, so many terrific books, uh, The Missing Ring, Coach, uh, which I view as the definitive biography on uh, on Bear Bryant, uh, on Bart Starr, Joe Montana. Uh, you've gone into uh, the military and, and written uh, The Spy Pilot and a book called Speed, which is awesome. Um, do you have a favorite? And, and, and also, how did you get into book writing?
5: Uh, you know, I, I, I hope that my favorite is the next one that I'm doing, Lars. You know how that is. You yeah. don't want to choose among Heath, your
1: children. Heath, I, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Do you guys have some kind of little special code? Because that's the exact <laughs> answer. That Lars gives every time anybody else. is that right? So. I swear yes. I didn't That's
2: know it. that word yeah. for word. <laughs> yeah, and I also well, say I, I use I know I have a good book when I only use uh, five to ten percent of my notes, which is what you just
1: said.
5: Well, <laughs> and, and and I will tell you, I, I was so you know I, I've been so extremely extraordinarily lucky in my life. Uh, you know, I, I started real young as a as a sports writer when I was fourteen and got to Alabama because of Coach Bryant and all that, but. But I was lucky enough that that I got to accomplish a lot of my you know goals in my twenties. I got to work for you know Frank Deford at the National when I was when I was twenty five, and and out of that um, I was able to you know get an agent. And uh, actually, the first book I sold actually was the book that became the Fifty Year Seduction about uh, the rise of television and college football, and. Uh, uh, out of that, uh, uh, sold my Bear Bryant book, but, uh, I was exceedingly fortunate that I could make that transition from sports writing into books. And then I own magazines and worked in the magazine business for a long time after that. So, uh, I, I just kind of hit it just right in terms of transitioning into books, which as you know, Lars is, is, is very, very tough to do. It's getting tougher by the day.
2: It, it, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, when when you wrote uh, 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 the, uh the the Bear Bryant biography uh what were the biggest challenges of writing coach
5: i think probably a lot of challenges on that probably at that point because we're talking about i got the contract on that in 1994 so he had just been dead basically a decade at that point and having having grown up you know, Coach Bryant was one of my idols growing up, and then having covered him early on uh, when I was a teenager, um, and, and all the, you know, I mean to be, be quite honest, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gotten to the University of Alabama but for Coach Bryant. I, I'm very honest about that. Um, but I guess probably the most challenging thing was checking my personal story at at the at the gates um, because I was determined to write an objective biography, and hopefully, I did. Um, but also the flip side of that is hopefully that I understood the culture and the climate better than an outsider. Um, so hopefully I, you know, straddled that, that line. Um, but, uh, you know, when, when you're talking about, when you're writing about someone who was a hero to you growing up and you understand what he meant to the culture of your home state, that's a challenge. Uh, Unlike, let's say, Joe Montana, who I didn't have any personal, you know, relationship with Montana. And I covered, you know, the NFL in those days and so forth. But but that was a completely different situation. So, um, you know, uh, it's uh, it seems like yesterday that I wrote that book. We're talking about, you know, 30 years ago. now.
1: You mentioned a couple of times that you would not have ended up the University of Alabama. But for Coach Bryan, is was that just based on the fact of your admiration, or did he have a hand in in you going from Athens to Tuscaloosa?
5: Oh, he he had an absolute hand. I got a so I covered Alabama when I was a starting out for the little small newspaper weekly newspaper in Athens. Then before moving to the Decatur and Huntsville papers later on in high school, and um, as a uh, as a result of my early start, I got a. a um, I had an interview with Coach Bryant in the summer of 1982, and long story short, uh, he liked me, and uh, he, the, the sports information director knew at that point that I was looking for a way to pay my way through school. So because of that, I got a full scholarship, a full athletic scholarship at the University of Alabama. So that's in my first three years in school. Uh, that's uh, before I you know, transitioned into working for the Crimson White and then the paper in Birmingham in my last two years in schol- college that's how I paved my way through school, Matt. I mean, I was, I was, you know, I I, I worked for the football, basketball, swimming and uh, baseball teams, uh, traveled with them. Um, I ran the, the basketball program and so forth. But uh, no, that, uh, Coach Bryant changed my life. Changed
2: my life. Keith, um, going back to the Bard Star documentary, In your mind, and this is a tough question, what is the meaning of Bart Starr and his life, and what do you hope that viewers get uh, out of this documentary?
5: That's a really good question. I would say two things more than anything else. One is the power of resilience. Um, 17th round draft choice, who was essentially abandoned by his college coach um, who, um, was doubted, um, by, you know, his, his father, by his, uh, by his Alabama coach, by his, by Lombardi to begin with. The power of resilience in the face of doubt. The other is the power of unconditional love. Um, he didn't have it from his father, and therefore the, the doubt swirling and trying to trying to to get that approval from his father and Cherry coming into his life and giving him the unconditional love that he needed. And in the end, I think she was more responsible for his success in Green Bay than we could ever know. And also she helped him survive the loss I think she helped him deal with the loss of his brother and how that rebounded throughout his life. And and she helped him deal with the loss of his son.
1: Keith, I think we could keep going and going and going, but unfortunately time is relentless or not relentless. But we appreciate your the opportunity and urge everybody to watch the documentary Bart Starr, America's Quarterback. But just going out, can you give me a quick go on keith dunavant's view of the alabama crimson tide now
5: i'll tell you what nick Saban, i think has done his best coaching job how about that we don't know how it's going to turn out but he's he's done one hell of a job this year
1: no question about it and that story yet to be finished so we'll see coming up here in a couple of weeks keith let's do this again because uh, it's been too long. I enjoyed our relationship back in the day and want to continue it. Thank you yeah, so much. Really appreciate your time, Keith. Yep. You bet. Enjoyed it. Us too. Keith Dunneman, we'll be back with the second hour. We're going to talk some basketball uh, as Alabama's traveling to back to your home state. They're going to Omaha to take on the Blue Jays of Creighton. So Brian Passink will be along with that. And got a couple other stories we really need to get into, and we'll do that on the other side of this break as you listen to Big Noon Sports.
2: Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. WTBC Tuscaloosa and
0: W265CG Tuscaloosa, a Town Square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles, here's Nick Koch.
6: Some fresh news in the NBA involving the 76ers. ESPN reporting team president Daryl Morey has agreed to a contract extension running through the 2027-28 season. Morey currently in his fourth year with Philadelphia, and the Sixers are off to a 16-7 start this season, tied for third in the Eastern Conference. In baseball, reports say the Dodgers and pitcher Tyler Glasnow are finalizing a four-year, $110 million extension. Once that deal is complete, the trade sending Glasnow from the Rays to Los Angeles will be official. Reports say the Royals and outfielder Hunter Renfro have agreed to a two year $13 million deal. Reports say the Royals have also agreed to a deal with pitcher Michael Waka, two years $32 million. And in the NFL, Dolphins coach Mike McDaniel said receiver Tyreek Hill will not practice today with that ankle injury and is considered questionable to play this weekend.
4: Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside, this is Big Noon Sports.
1: Union Home Mortgage. It's Noah, it's Matt, it's Lars. Bottom of the hour, Brian Passink and the Alabama Crimson Tide Sports Network. Basketball will be joining us as um, Alabama still struggles to find their identity. Uh, Maybe they'll find it in Omaha as they take on Creighton. I believe is now ranked 8, 9, 10, something like that. So uh, Alabama's got uh, what they had, Purdue, which they played them close, lost. They've got Creighton. And then next... Number one team in the nation, Arizona. So, uh, good grief. You know what? They'll be battle-tested when the SEC rolls around. So, we'll talk about that. Lars, in another uh, story that I was uh, looking at this morning, you just, you, got, you know, I'm an old guy and getting to be a softie, but it, it brought a tear to my eye, a tear of joy. I don't know if you saw this, but Quentin Williams, who, of course, Alabama remembers. He just, he was a nightmare on centers in the middle. Uh, With the Jets making big money, he has donated two—not two hundred—he's donated two and a half million dollars to single parents in Birmingham. I mean, that's that's not like just stroking a check for that's. And I hope I read it right, and I hope I'm reporting it right. But two and a half million dollars—wow! Good for him, and good for the single parents in Birmingham. But he always kind of. He always kind of had this boyish charm to him, and still does, but it's just good to know that good people do good things.
2: Yeah, and he is a very, very good person. And uh, this is really hard to do as someone who has lived in New York for a long time, but he has absolutely captivated the New York media. They love him, love him because he already has proven that he's worth every penny of the four-year, $96 million contract he signed in the offseason. He is easily, the uh, it, it, Aaron Rodgers aside, because Aaron Rodgers only played, what, four snaps, but he's easily the best player the Jets have had since Daryl a uh, young Daryl Rivas. Um, he is absolutely dominant. And for one reason or another, even though he's playing in this, uh, in in you know the biggest media market in the country, he is not getting the recognition he deserves. Um, and I, you know, that's probably how he likes it. Frankly, um, it, it, it boggles my mind. But as of right now, he's not even in the top ten for uh, Pro Bowl voting at defensive tackle. And um, I don't know, you just, you you watch him every Sunday. He's just, he's dominant. He is absolutely dominant because he uh, attracts a double team every play. And uh, in, in, uh, in, it frees up other guys to make plays. Uh, PFF, uh, Pro Football Focus, and we've talked about them a little bit, Matt. I, I, I it's kind of it's a company run by Chris Collinsworth, and I think they do a, just a terrific job of sort of uh, analyzing and rating players. They have him rated as the number two interior lineman in football uh, behind the Giants' uh, Dexter Lawrence. Uh, he's rated number one against the run. Uh, he has 46 quarterback pressures as an interior lineman. I mean that that that's just insane. Double teams and and, and but it's uh it, it it's it's weird because it he's got this like Reggie White kind of strength. You wouldn't you know how Reggie White? It, it's like there could be a guy in front of him who is looks like you know uh a a, a bodybuilder and somehow reggie white would outmuscle him that's what quentin williams does uh and he it's like he's bench pressing grown men 350 pound grown men all day uh when he plays and i i just uh i in you know the 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 Descriptive word when he was at Alabama that a lot of writers used was he's just he, slippery, but now it's there, it, it, it's like strength and he's slippery. What what do you remember about him in Alabama? And also, what have you seen out of him being with the Jets?
1: Well, I don't know if I can go add any more to what you just said. Um, I just like I said when we were first started this conversation, you know. Remember when he's wearing the braces and he had that boyish look on his face? Oh, yeah. He just looked like a little kid unless you were lined up at guard. And then he destroyed you. And I just remember him being such an integral part of that Alabama defense. And while he made a lot of plays, I can remember him coming through and under and sacking quarterbacks. Just extraordinary effort. And he has taken that to the next level. Exactly. Every single snap... He played step. like
2: his hair was on fire. The Jets can be down by 20 points in the fourth quarter with two minutes to go, and Quentin Williams will chase a guy 40 yards down the field and make a freaking tackle as a as as a interior defensive lineman. It is what you just said is per, it, it is perfect. All effort, all the time, and 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 his teammates absolutely love him. Because he is such a hard worker, he's humble, and he's just a good person. He's a, just a good young man, and 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 the reason we're talking about him is uh, illustrates that.
1: Yep, and now he illustrates off the field what kind of a person he is, and he's this is nothing new. He about three or four years ago he donated fifty thousand at the time to the very same. Cause, and that's uh, single parent, single parents in the Birmingham area. And that's another thing. He comes back, he, he gives back to where he's from, you know. So, anyway, that I just loved that story. Um, yeah. A couple, just a couple of other NFL drops here. Um, Raiders beat the Chargers 63 to 21 last night. At one point, it was 63 to seven. But um, guess what happened this morning? <laughs> Head coach of the Chargers, Brandon Staley, was fired. Of course, he didn't have his starting quarterback.
2: He's out for the year. As was but, the uh, GM. The GM was fired GM as well. The GM was fired, too. But, uh, um,
1: they didn't have Herbert last night, but I'm not sure that would have made any difference at all. Man, the well, Raiders just caught lightning in a
2: bottle. You remember, okay, so this has never happened before in NFL history. And the NFL's been around for, what, uh, one hundred and three years, or something. Um, the Raiders were shut out last week. They got beat three to zero, <laughs> and, and and the over under on this thing was like thirty six, I or something. At halftime, it was forty two to zip. So, what does that show you? It shows you that San Diego, the char sorry the Chargers, they absolutely have quit. Those players have quit. And you look at, and uh, I, I was seeing uh, just different clips of some DBs last night for the Chargers. They absolutely just didn't care. They didn't care. Like a safety who could have made a play on a, on a corner route uh, or to, like, to the front pylon, he just absolutely jogged and then kind of walked. I mean, he maybe could have made a play, maybe not, but he didn't even try. And so when you when you see that, when you see that the players have quit, you absolutely got a clean house. And so interestingly, they're bringing in Brian Flores. Um, and by the way, that that record that they made, that, that they, they just set was a, a team getting um, uh, zero points one week, and then scoring 63 the next is, is that that's never happened before. And so uh, Brian Flores I would think so. Brian Flores who's the defensive coordinator at Minnesota who's playing uh, the Bengals tomorrow, he has been named the interim head coach, which I I don't I can't ever remember this happening where you pick a guy off of another staff to be the interim head coach. So, clearly, uh, they had their eye on Flores, who was at Miami for a, a while, and they got fired. But um, it looks like the owner, wants, Spanos, wants to see, okay, what can Brian Flores do for these last couple weeks? And is he going to be our guy? I mean, I, do you remember a time when an interim head coach no. comes from outside of handle. the organization? Not
1: any more than I can remember a team going from zero to 63. Two historic, kind of unfortunate issues taking place in the National Football League. All right, I'm going to dive into this for just a minute because quite honestly, I think we're rather weary of the Florida State. Now Georgia's in on it, so we'll touch base with that when we get back. But probably not very long. As you listen to Big Noon Sports Presented by Haley Sansing, Union Homeowner.
3: Belt champion Troy meets Duke in the 76 Birmingham Bowl on December 23rd at Protective Stadium. Tickets are on sale now starting at just $30. The pregame festivities kick off December 22nd at the Bud Light Fan Fest pep rally at Uptown with live music, teen pep rallies, and everything else you need to get in the game day spirit. This season, fill your holidays with good cheer. Get tickets and more information at BirminghamBowl.com.
2: Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker...
0: 9 Tuscaloosa weather a partly to mostly sunny sky this afternoon the high 62 increasingly cloudy tonight The low 43 tomorrow cloudy rain likely at times during the day the high 60 Sunday rain ending early in the day then gradual clearing the high 57 I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 weather center on tide 100.9 it's 64 degrees in Tuscaloosa
4: the best sports talk in Alabama this is big noon sports Portions of our show
1: are brought to you by Laurie Thompson, the Bama broker. Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and uh, Noah Haynes as we wrap up this week and uh, continue to get closer and closer to Christmas. You know, this stuff between Florida State and now Georgia's in on it and threatening to boycott the Orange Bowl. And, hey, I know they're upset. You know, I would be, too, if that were my team. But now the Florida... Attorney General is looking into an antitrust possibility here in the selection. Then uh, Florida Representative Dick Scott goes off on a just an absolute tirade and cites the um, I, I guess he's citing the, uh, the the lack of control or perceived or not with the, the, the FBI, the Department of Justice, and all that. And then he says that uh, this is just another example of things not being good for our country. Man, our country's got far larger issues than this, dude. Um, and now jo- Georgia representative is asked that, uh, is petitioning, whatever, to make the Orange Bowl part of the playoffs. What the you-know-what, you-know-what, you-know-what? What? Huh? That's, that just doesn't make any sense. But in bringing up these three specific points... I'll end it by saying, I'll end it. I'm just really tired of this, Lars. I'm not even sure why I brought it up.
2: (laughs) Yeah, um, I am too. And I think it's wearing thin with uh, pretty much everyone else uh, across the country. Because if you pay attention to college football, if you pay attention to sports, what's the likelihood of Florida State beating Michigan in the Rose Bowl? with a backup quarterback. I mean, they've shown nothing offensively that they that they can uh, hang with Michigan. And as we talked about earlier, Michigan, number one defense in the country, right? Number one overall defense in the country. These guys are really, really good. And if Florida State goes out there and, and it goes out to Pasadena, they're going to get shellacked, you know, Forty nine to ten, and the last thing that uh, college football wants needs is is another dud of a of a game uh, in the uh, in in the semifinals or the finals last year, man, TCU. So um, I, I absolutely think that the uh, college football playoff committee got it right it's really interesting to hear and i love we love tim brando we love tim brando but he was absolutely outraged that alabama got in but then, who and is then he think? turns around and picks, him <laughs> picks alabama. Which i
1: thought that was interesting and then they really you can separate the two you you really can because you put that the fact that florida state's not in now you got to concentrate on the games but when he was with us earlier in the week Um, I almost got the feeling that he wanted everybody to know that he picked Alabama.
2: Yeah. It's. (laughs) Yeah, I I just. Look, if you just use your eyes in the little common sense, who deserves to be in (laughs) Alabama? Well,
1: Well, no, it's not deserves. I'm not correcting you. I'm just saying it's not who deserves. It's who's the best team. Yes, yeah, I'm sorry. Because. Okay, yes. I knew what you meant.
2: No, but you are are absolutely correct because deserves? Probably Florida State deserves. Yeah. Deserves absolutely was the wrong word I used there. Uh, Which team is the better? They're trying to get the four best teams, not the four most deserving teams.
1: And, you know, if you're going to make an argument for uh, a better team, um, I think Georgia would be ahead of Florida State uh because georgia's a better football team and i think we're going to find that out although when they play in the orange bowl um a lot of these players are um either entering the transfer portal or skipping the bowl game in preparation for the national football league
2: yeah and um i know uh florida state right now is actively looking for a quarterback for next year and and we'll see what happens and uh um dylan rayola is trending on twitter uh he is in lincoln and uh i i I honestly i i think he is he is gonna flip uh and that's gonna be a blow to kirby smart because rayola was the the sort of the long-term guy uh, sort of projected to start two years at Georgia, and uh, he was the anchor of that entire recruiting class. And look, none of these guys have signed yet. Is it possible if Rayola leaves, uh, things unravel a little bit at Georgia because you are losing your marquee recruit to Nebraska? I mean, I think it's possible. Yeah. Oh, I mean, not I completely unravel.
1: Something. I think he's got something. You know, George has got Beck coming back, and um, you know he's good for another year. And, um, they'll find somebody else because George uh, Georgia, and and they can, they can recruit. Hey, talking about bowl games, I want to remind everybody: the seventy-six Birmingham Bowl is one week from tomorrow. So you need to be getting your tickets to watch the Trojans and the Blue Devils as Duke and Troy play at Protective Life Stadium, Protective Stadium. And that game is slated for one week from tomorrow at 11 o'clock. So it's a good time of day on Christmas Eve Eve where you can get out in the morning, go to the game. I think I've looked at long-range forecasts. It's probably going to be a lot like it is today, which is darn near perfect. But get your tickets now. Some of them are as low as $30. I mean, you can't beat that to see a bowl game. And if you've never been to Protective Stadium, you need to go for that reason alone. It's just a fantastic sight. But also, one week from tonight, they'll be having the Bud Light Fan Fest on Friday in a cool area of town called Uptown. So all of that's going on with the 76 Birmingham Bowl. And uh, just wanted to make you aware of that so you can go ahead and get your tickets now. So go to the Birmingham Bowl. All right. Uh, one other thing, Lars, because we got basketball to talk about, but, um, this is NBA, which we don't go very often. I know you follow it closer than I do, but Draymond Green, is, has he lost his mind? Did you see the punch he threw at Yusuf Nurki?
2: I did. I did. And, uh, he's been was suspended rough.
1: indefinitely,
2: by the way. Yeah. Um, he needs uh, to work on some anger management things, obviously, and uh, it's going to be uh, a while before he comes back or if he does. And, but um, Nick Saban did his, uh, his uh, regular appearance on Pat McAfee's show, and uh, Noah, I would love to play it going out because uh, there's, a, there's about a, a two-minute clip here that I think is very revealing and it uh, just uh, <laughs> makes you love the fact that Nick Saban is the head coach of Alabama even more. So uh, Noah, can you uh, can you uh, play that for us? Cue it up and roll it or roll the break,
1: whichever you can do. <laughs> Coach, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but your best recruiting may have you know, come from a photo of you in a Ferrari with your triple styrofoam cup and America's best being absolutely littered in your side
3: door. Uh,
1: if you weren't aware of that, just know, yeah, everyone's talking about
3: it. Absolutely loving it. Here's one of the videos. I assume that's one of your six, seven, eight Ferraris.
1: It looks amazing. Did you? Were you aware of that photo kind of going viral a little bit? And did you know that you probably got about five five stars committing to your school today? because of it?
7: I don't know. They all want to drive it. But, uh, <laughs> it. Look, I got kind of hoodwinked into that. You know, one of the guys that was visiting, we always have the players over to the house for breakfast on Sunday morning and we walk out and they see the car and they all, you know, boo and about the car and they said, why don't you start it up so we can see what it sounds like? So I went and got the keys and started it up. I didn't know the guy was going to video it and it was going to go viral, but You know, that's the way it goes. We have the parents over on Saturday night, so they would have been much more interested if that had caught me line dancing.
4: (laughs) I've seen you in some living rooms. I've seen you in some living rooms Cooper shuffling out there. You got some rhythm, huh? West Virginia boy got a little rhythm. And the triple styrofoam cup. (laughs) I mean, across all demographics, that was beloved. You know, because that's either lean, which we assume it's not, (laughs) or that is a... That is And so, I mean, Coach, I, the more we learn about you, I think the more we love you. Yes. And that, you need to understand that. I assume you've been very guarded for a long time because you're ultra competitive and everything like that. And whenever you said you would come and do this show every single week, a lot of people said things like, oh, he's not as fault. It's like people love you, Coach. You know that because you're still that same West Virginia boy who just so mm-hmm. happens to be the greatest of all time. It's a cool thing. We're very grateful for that this year.
7: Well, you know, some of the things I learned growing up in West Virginia in a coal mining town have been very beneficial to, you know, getting to know how, how to really talk to, uh, articulate with, communicate with, you know, everybody, no matter where they come from, what their socioeconomic background is. Uh, because there's a lot of good people in West Virginia, and I learned a lot of good lessons growing up. And obviously being in competitive sports since the time I was nine years old, I had some great coaches and good mentors, and they all helped.
4: Yeah, well, they did a good job. It's time to ring in
0: the New Year right.
4: Bama, a winner over the Georgia Bowl.
0: It's the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Michigan Wolverines in the college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl. Our coverage starts at 1 on New Year's Day on your home
4: for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. From, our- From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: With Lars Anderson, myself, Matt Coulter. You also have Noah Haynes at the controls. And we are joined now by color analysts for the Alabama Crimson Tide Sports Network basketball. That is Brian Passing. Brian, uh, I know you got kids. Kids all about Christmas. Have you gotten all your shopping done? Are you going to do that in Omaha?
8: You know what? Uncharacteristically, I've gotten all my shopping done, and I've wrapped all my presents. And I am so proud of myself that I would like to dedicate the rest of the show uh, to me and, and my accomplishment. <laughs> hey, well, <by> <laughs> well,
1: all right. We got, you. we got a sponsor. Brian Fasink is a uh, of these shopping sponsors at the top of the hour. Too. Thank you. Uh, I mean, since
8: you? you asked, yeah, I'm on my way, way to I'm on my way to uh, the airport in okay. Tuscaloosa, so flying out to to Omaha this afternoon, and uh, another easy game for Alabama uh, sure. on the road, top ten opponent against the Creighton Blue Blue Jays. So uh, this schedule uh, just gets tougher and tougher as uh, the, as we get closer to SEC
2: play. Okay, Brian. You know I'm from Nebraska. I've uh, I grew up in Lincoln. I still spend a lot of time in Nebraska. You must try a Runza. Have you ever had a Runza before? Have not. Okay. Tell me please, about it. Please, try. Go, go to Runza. Uh, there's a. It's. It's not really a fast food place, but it's. There. Uh, there'll be a bunch of them around. And uh, just get a regular Runza and French fries, uh, and you, you you can dip the Runza in ketchup, and you absolutely will love it. And I I really want to hear your thoughts on it because it's it's a big deal for those of us from Nebraska. We're very proud of Runza, so um, yeah. I can so. back him up. They're pretty darn good. Yeah, I, I you've had a yeah. I've, yeah. I've had Runza. You one back. <laughs> That's right.
8: Well, it's, listen, I, I'm sold. And since I don't have any Christmas shopping to do, I'll have time on my hands in Omaha. <laughs> so uh, I will. I will do it. What, tell me about it. Uh, what, what is it exactly?
2: It's man, Matt. It, it's hard to explain, but it's like a. Uh, it, it is uh, uh, beef and cabbage, and it's uh, it's cut, sort of rolled into a bun. And uh, one of my friends, who I went to high school with, his great grandmother from Germany, uh, came up with the recipe, and and now there's Runzas all throughout uh, the state of Nebraska, and they purposefully have not uh, expanded uh, out of the Midwest because it's 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 really a a Midwestern kind of comfort food, and uh, uh, in in a weird twist. Uh, uh, my friend's uh, daughter <laughs> shows up in Alabama and she took three of my classes. And for the last class, she brought, she brought in Runzas for everybody and gave her a Runza <laughs> hat and a Runza shirt. Okay, this is way too much about Runza. So she clearly um, got an A. I mean, yeah, well, obviously. of course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. She, when she told She's, me this, sounds she sounds
8: like was, a smart girl.
2: Yeah, when she told me she was from Lincoln, Nebraska, I mean, she she got an A uh, right the first day of class, <laughs> which is a joke uh, to all my uh, colleagues at Alabama. But um, w- where is this Alabama team right now? Uh, the, and, and just your thoughts on on the game against Purdue. Listen, it, it was a, a tough loss,
8: but I thought an impressive performance in a lot of ways. Purdue may be the best team in college basketball, and, and they've got a player in Zach Eady who is uh, a confirmed, in my opinion, the most difficult player in the country to guard. Uh, seven, four, 300 pounds, consists national player of the year last year. Uh, and he is really good, and uh, it, Alabama had a hard time defending him uh, for fouls. Uh, so that was difficult. Purdue's really good. They're well-coached under Matt Painter. Uh, they are one of the few teams in college basketball that had a lot of success last year. They were number one seed. Of course, they lost in the first round, just the second number one seed uh, to, to lose a first-round game to the 16. But they're one of the few teams that return pretty much everybody. I think they returned six out of their top seven, all five starters, uh, and they are predicted to, to be right back where they were with a chance to do what Virginia did last time, or the first time a number one seed lost, and that's uh, come back and, and win the national championship the next year. They're definitely good enough to do that uh, with Zach Eadie, and, his, and it, they're not a one-man show. They're really good. Their guards can shoot it. Uh, they, they shot it well late in the second half, and, and I thought from Alabama's standpoint, they came, they competed, They they showed a lot of toughness. Uh, Obviously, Mark Sears is is playing uh, as well as anybody in the country on the perimeter, and he was spectacular in that game. Uh, And I thought Alabama put themselves in a uh, in a position to win the game, but Purdue just made some plays late. Foul trouble really hurt uh, the the Tide, and uh, I thought even though it was a loss, I thought the team got better. And you know, we'll see where they are tomorrow, this will be a tougher test in terms of a road, a true road environment. Uh, Creighton is one of the toughest places to play in the country. They're coming off a loss, which is uh, rare. They'll, I'm sure they'll be refocused and re-energized back at home. Uh, but you know, Alabama's had a chance to, to get in practice gym in the film room and get better and, and try to get better on the defensive end. and, and That's what it's going to take for this team to get to where they want to go offensively. Uh, statistically, the best in the country, number one overall in offensive efficiency in, in the country. Uh, but defense has, has been up and down. I thought uh, they played uh, pretty well uh, in, in, in segments against Purdue. Uh, but they're such, Purdue is such a unique team with Zach Eadie. I mean, you're not going to see um, anyone like Zach Eadie, although, you know, say that, and how you got Ryan Conkbrenner, 7'1", and follow and arizona coming up next week uh so um you know alabama is gonna get a chance to play some of the best big men in the country and i think they're gonna get better as a result of playing these guys
1: you know coming into the season with players going early and Transfer for long.
8: Alabama didn't have a
1: whole lot of guys coming back with experience under Nate Oates. One was Nick Pringle. Uh, what is his status? He's back in good graces. Has he refocused? Uh,
8: yeah, I thought he, he um, you know, he's I missed a game against Arkansas State, um, played a prominent role uh, against Purdue, got in foul trouble like the entire front court for Alabama. Uh, so, yeah, he, he, he looked. Ready to roll, excited to be out there. He, he competed the way um, that that he typically does, and and I think, um, you know, I think he's going to get better and better. And he and Mo have, have done a good job uh, at the center position, and you know, hopefully they'll have a, a better game in terms of staying out of trouble and be able to defend and rebound. And, and both of those guys have uh, had their moments on the offensive end, but. Where their real value comes is on the defensive end, rim protection, rebounding the ball defensively because offensively this this team has so many different weapons. Yes, they can score uh, and they're needed to score um, when opportunity presents itself, but uh, their true value is on the defensive end, and I I think they've, they've shown they can get it done on that end.
2: Is Alabama still kind of feeling out what their identity is going to be uh, this season? And also, uh, we're so uh, short into the season, but has anything surprised you?
8: Well, you know, I don't know if it's been a surprise. I I knew that uh, this team had a chance to be really good on the offensive end. They've gelled a little quicker than I thought. And uh, one of the surprises... is Mark Sears, and that's saying a lot because my expectation level for Mark uh, coming into this year was really high. I mean, he was a second-team All-SEC player last year, so I expected him to be really good, but I didn't necessarily think he would be one of the best point guards in the country, and that's exactly what he's been so far this year. And with Grant Nelson and Aaron Estrada, I mean, these, these guys can score. You've got scoring punch off the bench with Er Stevenson Sam Walters uh, of course Rylan Griffin uh, can get it done on both ends of the floor so I, I've been surprised um, with how good this team has looked offensively early on um, but defense is is where the focus is and and where I think they have the most upside and I, I and even though they've struggled at times on the defensive end I, I look at the individual parts. I look at the effort and toughness and mindset and the willingness to get better on that end of the floor. And I'd be really surprised if this, if this team doesn't continue to grow and get better on the defensive end. And when they do, they have a chance to be really, really good. I mean, this team can outscore you with what they do on the offensive end. Uh, And if they're shooting the ball, well can be anybody in college basketball, but to be the team Consistently throughout the year that I know these guys want to be. It's going to come on the defensive end, and I expect them to get better as the year progresses on that end of the floor, and it starts tomorrow against one of the best offensive teams in the country in Creighton.
1: Brian Passing, Crimson Tide Sports Network headed to Creighton as Alabama plays tomorrow. As we wrap up, I'm always curious cause Lars and I've both been in this situation quite a few times, but traveling with the team is always interesting. Now, do you sit in the same seat? Um, and who's to cut up on the plane?
8: <laughs> well, no, no, I'm, I'm laying low. I'm trying. I'm just thankful. They, they, they let me, uh, fly with them. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to lay low and, and, uh, I'll sit over there uh, with the voice of Alabama basketball, uh, Mr. Chris Stewart, of course. And, uh, you know, it's it's a good group of guys. I mean, I, listen, it, it, this is a unique year in that uh, all three assistant coaches are new, a lot of new staff members. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to get to know people uh, it, on these trips. We've just had a few. So I'm looking forward to getting to Omaha and Phoenix next week and uh, getting to hang out with these guys this, uh, the ones that I know are great guys and looking forward to kind of getting to know the rest
2: hey Brian if you're running late to the plane will they wait for you <laughs> uh, no.
8: no no so that's yeah they don't wait for the radio guy I can assure you so I gotta get there early I'm on coach's time I got I gotta gotta be there 15 minutes uh, before earlier than, than they want me there because I know they're not waiting on a measly old radio guy
1: Hey, most coaches I've been around won't wait for their center. <laughs> you, you know,
8: hey, wim, if, if you're on wim, time, you're late. Wimp left Latrell Sprewell at the hotel when we were playing LSU. He said, hey, we, we're leaving at this time. Spree's not on the bus. Let's go. And he, he, he took a, uh, I think he took a taxi uh, to the Merivich Center and didn't start.
1: Boy, that is all Wimp. Have a safe flight. <laughs> Thank you, Brian.
8: Thanks, guys. Always enjoy it.
1: Back to wrap up this Friday edition of Big Noon Sports in just a minute.
0: Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A partly to mostly sunny sky this afternoon, the high 62. Increasingly cloudy tonight, the low 43. Tomorrow cloudy, rain likely at times during the day, the high 60. Sunday, rain ending early in the day, then gradual clearing the high 57. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 65 degrees in
4: Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
1: Wow. Another show has flown by. Thanks to Keith Donovan for talking about Bart Starr with us. And, of course, we just wrapped up with Brian Passing. I've always uh, really enjoyed flying with teams. I guess when I think back on it, you were never really a beat writer associated with one single team. So while I know you've literally f- flown around the world three times, um, maybe you haven't been a part of that. But, you know, you, you got players that cut up. You got players that don't. You got coaches that won't put up with anything. You got coaches that won't put up with anything at all if they lose. Um, it's an interesting situation. And now that I think about it more, it's, it's not one a lot of people go through. <laughs>
2: No, I mean, I was in it briefly when I embedded with the Scottish Claymores of NFL Europe. And uh, so I I traveled around Europe on the on the charter with uh, with them. Actually, it wasn't a charter. We would just travel.
4: Yeah,
2: Yeah, I've done that, too. Um, But uh, do you have a a memory that sticks out of uh, being on the plane? Because you're right. I mean, crazy stuff happens and you actually learn a lot about the uh dynamics of the the player relationships uh when you're on the plane um because you know uh i mean some guys just love to tune out and, and sleep but other guys you know they want to they want to take your money in a game of poker uh you know uh, there's Lots all that. yeah there's a lot of card playing going on
1: yeah, um, I think the first time I was really ever exposed with it, I flew with the Stallions, and that was a pro league. So after games, they would have them, um, you know, a couple of big sandwiches and um, three beers. They give them three beers, you know, it's probably a two hour flight anyway. So the first thing that goes on is the guys that drink beer buy the beer from the guys that don't and that there's a lot of shuffling going up down the aisles and uh, then, they, then the guys that are drinking the beer get to the back of the plane and that's when they start playing cards but um, I can remember coming back from Canada with the Barracudas one time and it's the roughest flight I've ever been in in my life we hit some air at 30,000 feet it was more than turbulent in my mind you know stuff was falling out of the you know the headspace
2: yeah
1: uh, onto players and all that, and I just I, I remember you know a lot of those players hadn't flown very much um even at that point, and I remember that being frightening, but for the most part, they were fun as hell, even as a media guy, you know, but if yeah. you were with the team, you were with the team all year, they got to know you, so oh, yeah, I just have and and it's a really good way. To find out a lot more about a team than you ever would in any other circumstance.
2: A- absolutely, and, uh, and and when you spend that much time with a team, it, it, it's difficult to maintain that sort of professional distance that you want to, because uh, all, all of your free time and 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 going out on a Friday night to dinner. Uh, you're with the guys on the team and it's hard not to become friends and right. you know and, and, and technically speaking you probably shouldn't be doing that but but hey you know Matt Finkus. that's how I got to know Matt and we have Matt on all the time and now he's one of my closest buddies in the world and uh, I, I treasure that relationship and, and the shared experiences that we, we had in, in Europe hey real quick Matt I can't believe it. But there's six bowl games on Saturday, tomorrow. And one of them is Jacksonville State versus Louisiana. And uh, I'm taking Jacksonville State. They're favored by three. And uh, But you know what? They're tied for third nationally in takeaways with 25. The Raging Cajuns, they are tied for 107th in giveaways with 21. I'm taking the team that takes care of the ball, well, Jacksonville hard-overs. State.
1: The turnovers decided. It's their first ever bowl, bowl experience. Rich Rod and the Gamecocks. Go JSU. Lars, have a wonderful weekend. We'll do this on Monday from noon to 2. Big noon sports. Also, thank you to his timeliness. Always to Noah Haynes. God bless. The Universal-